Hey there, welcome back. This is Needed Conversations. My name is Victoria and this is my husband, Ryan Cole. We are back today talking about um, Summer Love Series and we are in the inner court. Um, if you have been following us for these couple of weeks, we've been talking about dating God's way and we've addressed gender roles, gender dynamics. We had an incredible interview and we have already addressed the outer court. So this week we are in the inner court. What is the inner court, Ryan? Yeah, when we're talking about dating from God's perspective, in my book, I Love You More, Most, and Forever, um, I use the Tabernacle of Moses to kind of lay out the process that God designs for dating. And the inner court is the soulful aspects, right? So mm -hmm. this is the soul food for, for the dating mm -hmm. uh, process. And it is me it means that you actually step into one-on-one -on -one dating with a person yeah you know the outer court we discussed last week and in a great episode if you didn't listen you can check that out afterwards the outer court deals with the qualifying stage knowing a person's values their spiritual walk whether or not they qualify for the deep intimate parts of your heart and we talked about all of our relationships have to be measured in layers some people get your gift some people get the mysteries of your heart and some people get your humanity and what other people don't see. And, um, and so that second phase is vitally important because now you're not qualifying them to date. You're qualifying them for the most holy place, mm -hmm. which means you should not get physical. Yeah. Physicality in a relationship doesn't happen until you start moving towards the veil. And that means engagement. And that's not to put a lid or a stifle on the relationship. There can still be chemistry. There can still be flirting. There can still be little things. You could hold hands, you know, those kind of things. But when you move into the kissing and the touching and the groping and the all the <laughs> okay. alone time Whoa. stuff. <laughs> groping. Whoa. <laughs> you literally put blinders on where you cannot differentiate between what you're feeling in your senses and what you are feeling in your soul. Yes. And your soul will tell you whether or not this person, you are able to bear the weight of their calling and bear the thorn in their flesh. Mm -hmm. And that's what every person has to determine in this soulful um, level is whether or not you can bear the weight of their calling and bear the thorn in their flesh. Because all of us have both of those. Yes. What are you called to do with your life? And what is the challenge, the unique challenge that you face that could be a, a sin, a, an addiction, it could be a struggle, it could be, I don't know, whatever your thorn is that you have to work at to continually overcome and starve and all of that. You have to have someone with just enough, as much grace to carry you um, through those challenging seasons because they will come, that thorn will uh, will prick its evil head, right? Yeah, yeah. And in the same token, a person's calling carries with it a certain measure of weight, of responsibility, spiritual warfare, etc. And when I say calling, I'm not just talking about are they called to ministry because we're all called as believers to ministry. It's like, can I bear the weight of a person who's going through med school and is going to be working the night shift for like the first 10 years of our marriage? Yeah. That's a weight and that's a calling that you might have to bear that maybe you weren't built for. And you have to ask yourself that. And so the soul deals with illuminating the parts and the areas of your life 
that um, should be discussed, like your habits, your traditions, your routines. Do you go to the gym? What are your health, you know, routines, your food routines? What are your family traditions? What are the toxic parts of your family that you don't want to carry into marriage? And what are the good parts that you do? Mm -hmm. um, what is the vision for your life? Where are you going? How do I know if I want to go on this trip with you if I don't know where we're going? Yeah. And if our lives move in parallel. Remember, we've talked about this before. You don't want two lines crossing where you intensely focus on one another. That's infatuation. It'll reach its climax and you will move in opposite directions. And there you're stuck married with a person that's going a different place than you in life. Yeah. You want to know, do our lives run in parallel? And the only way you're going to know that is whether you're is by talking about vision and habits and then the altar of incense, which is in the inner court, it deals with communication. How do they communicate? What is their love language? Can I love them the way that they want to be loved? Do we understand one another when we communicate? And if not, can we overcome those communication challenges? Yeah. So that's just a brief overview. You can find out all of the details of this in my book, I Love You More, Most and Forever. And we're going to be giving away some juicy nuggets on our Summer Love webinar. Yes. So make sure you register now at summerlovewebinar.com because on July 8th, we are going to be breaking it down. Yes, it's We're going to be, be helping awesome. all the singles dating and engaged learn how to date God's way and have fun while we're doing it. You can interact with other people. You're going to connect more with us, giveaways, Q&As, all of the great stuff. So register now. Um, Victoria, I want to read, I was reading through my book, chapter nine today, mm -hmm. just preparing for this episode. And I was just so stirred by the way that I wrote this. And it's really our story. Most people don't know that this is kind of biographical, but it's also, you know, teaching because every chapter just about starts with a story whether, you know, I tell our dating story from mm -hmm. the first time we met all the way up until we got engaged and married and so on. I tell my grandparents' story who were married for 67 years. Which for some of you who do not know, um, Ryan actually, um, you know, he told me that, that his grandparents was a big example for him. And I saw that at the very beginning. But the day that he actually proposed was actually his grandparents' anniversary. And... Um, I remember we were doing it at a clubhouse in his aunt's uh, neighborhood and uh, Ryan was singing all these love songs to them, but everybody kept staring at me and crying. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Why are they right. staring at me? <laughs> but it was very, very sweet. But, but it that was story's just, in here too. Yeah. But it's so incredible that it was like right directly on their yeah. anniversary. So, And I'm just so privileged that the Lord allowed us to walk through this journey. We stumbled in onto it. But um, also just to write something that I believe is so profound and I want so many more people to hear it. And guess what? I'm going to take the rest of this episode and read the first part of chapter nine mm -hmm. that talks with the soul just because it moved me today and I hope it moves you too. And then I'm going to let Victoria respond and then I want you guys to join us for Summer Love webinar. It's actually this week. Yeah. So it's you want to join awesome. us July 8th. This chapter is called The Soul Matters. Our first official one-on-one -on -one date had arrived. There were so many things running through my mind as I planned every detail. Everything had to be perfect. 
I gathered a dozen roses, along with a few other items, and drove to the house that Victoria shared with her brother and sister. She comes from a large family, so I didn't really know what to expect. Would most of her 11 siblings and her parents be waiting to interrogate me? Would she like the restaurant I selected? Had I planned enough? Or maybe I planned too much? To say that I had butterflies would be an understatement. I was pleasantly surprised that her brother, my good friend, was the only one there and opened the door to let me in. A few minutes later, Victoria emerged from the bedroom in a gray sweater, blue jeans, and white ball-shaped gem-studded earrings. She greeted me with a hug and took the roses and put them in water. As we walked out the door, she held tightly to my arm, pushing her weight into mine as we headed down toward the car. These memories are burned in my mind. If I close my eyes, I can rehearse the details of every second of that evening. We went to dinner and walked downtown to a coffee shop, where we sat and talked for what seemed like minutes, but in fact, it was hours. We talked about family and our life experiences. We also talked more about God and the call that both of us felt to preach the gospel with our lives. As we sat there, I handed her a beaded bracelet that she immediately slipped on her wrist. One I had bought earlier in the day, but just so happened to be the same exact beads as her earrings. As she stared intently at me with her piercing blue eyes, I assured her that I was serious about pursuing her with purity and integrity. She was just as serious as I was. I gave her a journal that night as I dropped her off at the door. I knew she loved writing and taking notes in church. I took the opportunity to write her a sweet note on the first page. This was a new chapter in our love story, one that would be forever memorialized in the pages of this little blue journal. I had no idea that I would inspire her to write about every date and meaningful moment in our dating process. This journal would eventually find its way back to me, eight months later, on our wedding day. Her gift to me would be our memories, transcribed on each page of that journal. It was a catalog of all our highs and lows, our tender moments of affection, and our hard-to-swallow moments of confrontation. Reading through these entries, I realized just how much we had learned about one another in that short time. I love you most, most meaning I want to know you more than anyone else. Later that week, sitting in between the bookshelves of Barnes & Noble, we solidified our relationship and decided to make it public. With that, we moved from the outer court into the inner court. This would eventually become one of our favorite dating spots. We would grab something warm to drink and sit on the floor nestled between the different sections. While we were surrounded by tons of books, all I wanted to learn about was her. What are your dreams? How are you raised? What are you passionate about? What are your greatest fears and struggles? Where are your pain points and how have you overcome them? These are all relevant topics that should be addressed in three levels of the second stage of the tabernacle approach to dating and marriage. I want to reiterate here that Victoria and I fell into this dating process by the grace of God. We didn't plan to spend so much time at a bookstore talking about the matters of our soul because we had this profound knowledge that was that, that was what you were supposed to do during the second stage of dating. I truly believe that God was walking us by the hand through this process so that we could show others a more effective approach to dating. We are living in a time where dating has become such an abstract process that we all need reminding 
of this sacred and divine nature of marriage. It's not that every couple's experience should mirror ours completely, but I believe every couple should be able to master all three of these stages before, I, before saying I do. And I believe that every married couple should move through these stages multiple times through their lifetime. Yeah, that was the first part of chapter nine in my book, I Love You More, Most and Forever. Your reactions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just brings back a lot of memories. I feel like uh, everything that kind of happened was such an uh, aha moment for us because we de dedicated our lives to serving God and celibacy. And so leading up to that moment, I think every little thing that kind of happened, um, I know that was intentionality from our part, but I feel like it was so God orchestrated, like you said. And, uh, you know, the little blue notebook, Ryan found out that I love to journal and it was on our first date it, and it was blue. And, you know, for those of you who do not know, you know, an American wedding, some people bring something blue, like that's something blue, something old, something new, something, something blue, borrowed, something, something blue. blue. Yeah. And <laughs> so that was my something blue to him. And I actually, um, taped the first bouquet of roses that you gave me which was on valentine's which was kind of like your you saying can i take you on a date so uh -huh. to speak and it's taped in the front of the notebook and i'll have to show it to you I'll, i might bring it to the summerlovewebinar.com to show people just so they could see it and that's again not to say that people should mirror exactly what we were doing this is our story this is our experience but again i feel like um us waiting for that right person and walking through those steps has blessed us so tremendously and even witnessed to so many people around us because you know uh, waiting was not an easy task people always told us you know you guys are crazy uh you'll never find a spouse like this um so there was a lot of naysayers um especially people that are you know in this world that we worked with they didn't understand this at all like that was not what you did you're supposed to be dating around you're supposed to be going on dates you know the infatuation period and all that but it, everything was such a big build-up to that moment and everything was so intentional i feel like god it was just really god orchestrated i remember um, I told Ryan, and he probably didn't believe me, that I was not much of a crier up to that point. But I feel like during that whole dating period, I was just so overwhelmed um, how everything just kind of was working out. I, I literally cried pretty much like all the time. It was it was like it was weird because I'm I was such a tomboy. You're I was like I never cry. Yeah, all the and, time. and Ryan's like I don't believe this woman because she's like crying almost in every on every date that we're going to. But yeah, it was very beautiful, and um, we we really sat and asked those hard questions. And um, one of the things that were kind of leading up to that was um, I think a few months before. I told I always say that he kind of got me on the hook. We went through a book called the 40 day soul fast, which I think helped us to kind of again, solidify our identity in our and, own and selves. And we did that as friends. I yeah. said, Hey, this is one of my favorite books. I want to recommend it to you. And she's yeah. like, sure, I'm going to get it right away. And I said, you know what, let's do it together. I've yeah. already read it, but I'll read it again. And it's not like we sat and studied together, but, you know, after we would read a chapter, you know, I would text her and say, what did you think about that? Or we would talk about it at church, yeah. Um, you know, at rehearsal for choir or something like that, that we were a part of. So um, that was good for us, too, because we were dealing individually with issues of our soul. Mm -hmm. So then when we actually started going into the inner court, 
um, it was easy for us to kind of draw up those topics. And uh, really, I think what you were feeling and probably why you were so emotional was that we were in a prophetic process, Mm -hmm. a process that wasn't prophetic for us, but prophetic for what we would be called to teach others about. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knew that there would be a Barnes and Nobles right there close to our church where we would, where we would meet after choir rehearsal and we would um, sit and talk for hours and sitting in a Barnes and Noble um, just how prophetic that was surrounded by books of knowledge and information. And that is exactly what the inner court is all about. It's like opening up the book of that other person and scrolling through the chapters of their childhood, of their pain, their trauma, their hurts, mm-hmm. their future, moving into that, the, the, the places of their deep desires and, and what they want to do with their lives, whether or not they want to have kids what kind of debt they're in and how they're trying to get out. Maybe they Mm -hmm. got school loans or maybe they've got, so you're dealing with all of these intimate parts of yourself, but yet you're not physical. Mm -hmm. Um, We did get physical. I think a few weeks into it. Yeah. And we had to stop because both of us knew. You better clarify what physical, what what kind of. Yeah. Not sex. But physically, we kissed, and then we kissed again. Just to clarify. Again. And so um, it was just, we both felt, wow, this is ramping up very quickly, and Mm -hmm. we want to give this the time. And so then we vowed not to kiss again until we were engaged. And we were engaged in April, so uh, about two months later, and Mm -hmm. we... um, we then even set even more boundaries. Even though we were engaged, we were like right at the veil. We did not want to step in until we both had made that covenant commitment to one another. Um, and so this is where the inner court leads you. There's three aspects. You got the table of showbread, which is basically a table with um, 12 pieces of bread stacked on top of one another. Well, 12 is the number from the tribes of Israel, which was God's family, the nation he created. Mm-hmm. And food represents your daily habits mm-hmm. because we all eat. Most of us more than three times a day, but typically yeah. we all eat in a routine kind of way. We wake up in the morning, we have our routine. So that whole experience talks about your routines and habits that were passed down from you through your family. Because who we are is a product of how we were raised. Hmm. Now we can change those cycles and we can rewire those parts of our brain. But how we were raised is how we normally have carried on. And so addressing those things and what you guys are doing is determining whether or not the ingredients you have separately will make the kind of meal together that you want to serve to the world. Mm-hmm. That's good. And and if we have diverging ingredients, you know, what we're going to be bringing to the world is going to be pretty convoluted. So we want to make sure that yeah, there may be some routines and habits that you want to break. Are you going to break them? What are the good things you want to bring into this recipe for our new family? Because mm-hmm. we didn't duplicate my family. It's impossible to duplicate what exactly what you experienced. Because you're dealing with two different experiences. It's always going to be a merger. Mm-hmm. And what does that merger you know, flesh out as? 
you know, so Victoria grew up in a Ukrainian household with 11 brothers and sisters, and she had a certain cultural upbringing, and so do I, so did I as a Southern boy here in South Carolina. So there were some crossovers for sure, but then there were some other aspects that we had to say, you know, we, we don't want to bring this into our marriage. Yeah. And then the other aspects, we definitely want to bring that in. Yeah. Yeah. Little things even, like Victoria, for instance, you might think this is not a big deal, but Victoria did not grow up with Christmas decorations. Mm -hmm. It just was not what her family did. Or birthdays. Or birthdays, I mean, can you imagine, like, by the time you finish with one celebration, you'll be broke, honestly, (laughs) because... With 12 kids, And then you know what, as you have children, you always have to up the ante, like, having two kids of our own, we understand that, because it's like, the older they get, now they want something bigger, now they want money, now they want more money, so it's like, my parents like, let's just take take a chill pill. (laughs) But for me, I grew up with the extravagant Christmas decorations. My mom at one point had 13 or so Christmas trees around the house, which sounds crazy, but it was, we were entrenched in that kind of Christmas. Which I mean, I have to come with an understanding because he only had one sibling. So your parents could do those things. You know what I mean? Because you were in a different environment. We, you know, we came here when I was 10. And there are a lot of reasons why all that didn't. And a lot of her siblings, all of them do have Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff. But Victoria really was like, I just don't want any of that. I don't want to do it. And I had to be like, you know, I want my kids to experience these same kind of memories I did. I don't have to have 13 Christmas trees, but let's meet in the middle. Can we have one? (laughs) And then I remember our first Christmas as a married couple, because we got married in October. So a couple months later, it was a small little, I don't know, five foot Christmas tree, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I took a picture of you and put it on Instagram of you decorating it. And you had a little spark in your eye. And I was like, she actually likes this. And I think that you do. I like decorating, period. So it doesn't matter what it is. For me, I just like assembling things. I like seeing the end result. Oh, I think she's being a little... um, uh, She's not being 100% forthcoming because... We like to put up our Christmas tree like in October, October. and yeah, we, we probably do. <laughs> don't take it down to the end of January. Yeah, we do it. We do so, it early. I'm like, I, I, if I'm going to do it, then I better enjoy it. And that's on her. She goes and takes it out and puts it up and all of that. Yeah. But it's just a conversation we had to have. I mean, that meant a lot to me as a kid. And it's something for some couples, they're very stubborn on some of their traditions or lack thereof. Yeah. And they don't want to bend. And And the thing is, like, whenever you're infatuated and you do get physical, sometimes you allow those things to kind of fly by. You're like, oh, Christmas trees don't matter. Whatever. But But five years into a marriage, you're like, I miss my Christmas tree. It does matter to you. Like, so you want to make sure that you talk. And and it's really impossible, I think, to address every little detail because sometimes you'll get in to marriage and you'll hit certain seasons of your life and maybe something will come up and of course you'll be open to discussion but I think having those kind of questions um first of all asking yourself and then asking that person uh just kind of I think gives you an understanding that this person is willing to work you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, yeah, we'll just figure this out as we get married. No, like, let's ask the hard questions. Because sometimes people don't ask those themselves. You have so. to invest and then you have to pay attention. So, yeah. like, I have these questions, soulful questions. Childhood. What are some of the things you remember about your childhood? Were you raised by both your parents? And what were some of the challenges you faced as a child? 
Yeah. And then listen. Yeah. Like, let's let's go through this together. If you're in the inner court. That's a lot. That that's a lot, a lot. right That's there. one question. Like, <laughs> you can unpack that. Like, no, I, I came from a, a broken home. And it was a challenge living in two homes at the same time. And having to pack a bag because I know I was going to stay a week with my mom or my dad. And having to live between two bedrooms and what that did to me. Or, you know, then on the other end, like, you know, maybe... There are some challenges that you face because you had siblings or you didn't have siblings. Mm-hmm. If you had both parents, but maybe you were an only child, you're like, I totally missed out on, you know, and maybe some people don't. I'm just trying to throw some examples out there, but you're going to be listening for those things. Like, what were some of your greatest accomplishments growing up? What were you most gifted in doing? And were you acknowledged for those things? Do you anticipate that you would ever be okay with a parent living with you as they grow older? Who would think of a question like that? Yeah. I'm going to read that again. Do you anticipate that you would ever be okay with a parent living with you as they grow older? What if they come from a single parent household? Let's mm-hmm. just take that. And they are and he's a guy and he's so close to his mom. Maybe he didn't have his dad and his mom almost views him as a spouse. Mm-hmm. We were counseling with a, a couple the other day who has this same exact challenge. And I said to her, you know, what are you going to do about that? Because like you the, actually, no, I take that back. It was actually the opposite. The girl was um, connected with her father and her father had a problem with him because she was filling all of the wife roles in his life. Hmm. It's odd that that would be a flip because it's normally the other way around. It's normally moms who almost take their sons and put them in the husband category, not sexually, but emotionally. Yeah. And even with the, the things of the household and all that kind of stuff. What if their parent in that circumstance or any other is ailed in their old age and they need to live with you? Mm-hmm. Is that a deal breaker for you? For some people, that's a challenge. My grandmother lived with me from the time I was um, eight years old until I was an adult. For my mom, that was a, a unique sacrifice that she had to make. Yeah, There are definite pros with your, your having a grandparent in the home. And I love multi-generational households. But it came with it its challenges as well. Yeah, who sure. what Who was the woman of the house? Yeah. Who thought about cooking? Who decorated? Who this and that? All of these little challenges you don't think about. Mm-hmm. But they have to be asked in the inner court. I have categories here. Let's just go over categories. Lifelong goals. I have seven questions there. Children, family traditions, and values. Mm-hmm. And this most important one. Sexual history. Mm. Are you a virgin? Are you abstinent now? Do you have, you know, what are your sexual challenges? What are your sexual expectations? Mm -hmm. How many sexual partners have you had? You don't have to go into the details. I slept with John and this person and Tom and, uh, you know, Alfred and all of these, you know, I'm just making these names (laughs) up. But you you could say, you know, I've had a lot. I've slept with two other people or 10 other people or I was promiscuous. And then you could say why like what let's get to the root of that not in a judgmental kind of way but you know you you could beg to ask the question is one mate for the rest of your life gonna going to be sufficient or is that demon gonna rowl its 
ugly head in, in the years to come. So no judgment out there. I know sexual um, history. There's a lot of reasons why people are so sexually active. So um, this is the inner court and it's so important. It's in my book, but also summer love webinar. Yeah. You got to sign up. Yeah. We're going to go into more detail and answer a lot of people's questions. Uh, we always have a good time when we put those on every single year or every every uh, every season so be sure to join us have a friend join with you yes summerlovewebinar.com register now july yeah. 8th july 8th and it's this week so you want to join us is a couple days from now block out this time in your evening for questions for deep dive in all of these topics interaction with one another and more summerlovewebinar.com and a few giveaways up our sleeves too so join us it's going to be powerful and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already to this YouTube channel or podcast, Spotify or Apple. Give actually, us a rating wherever. too, please. Are that great. will comments also, are great. Yeah, that will give us uh, that will help that will help us spread the word. And if you know somebody that's in this phase, why don't you click the link, copy it, and send them a text? Let them listen to it while they're driving or yes. doing some kind of cleaning or whatever. We have a phone number dedicated to our ministry that um, Victoria and I read. So that is in the description below. Text the word dating if you want dating questions or text the word marriage and then ask whatever. You can ask any question. You can ask for prayer um, and just let us know that you're coming to the webinar too. That'd be great to find out. Yes, um, please But do. until next time, this has been Summer Love Series, getting ready for the Summer Love webinar. And we'll see you next week.